0: Hey everyone, welcome to You'll Probably Agree, over at, as always, the beautiful Galway Bay in Chicago, Illinois. I love this bar because uh, last time I I lost my $600 microphone since Thursday, since I did my last podcast, which you guys will uh, be listening to soon. Not as soon as I wanted to because my... I had computer issues, but I was getting fixed. Hopefully, unless Apple goes. Oh, by the way, your computer's dead. When I get there today, um, <laughs> now they said it was just a display issue. But again, I got Ian Simmons here, yes, you my did. my my wonderful uh, co-host from uh, from uh, the What if He Doesn't Survive from KickingTheSeat.com. And he, this guy does everything. He pulls in 20-hour days. I don't know how he's not dead yet. Uh, but
1: I'm in the middle <laughs> of one right now. Oh yeah, he's in the
0: middle of doing my stupid bullshit. Uh, but no place I'd rather be. <laughs> I, I do a great job of promoting myself. Um, but <laughs> anyways, we're going over like we do every year all the best picture nominees, and um, I think uh, we. I wanted to start out fresh or. Or whatever pun for racing cars, uh, for uh, Ford versus Ferrari, because that was we kind of just saw that one literally like the same day, and we um, were like texting each other, like girlfriend and boyfriend, like, oh my god, I just saw too, you know.
1: <laughs> Look, I gotta correct you right off the bat. It's Ford v Ferrari. It's like Batman v Superman. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was, I was, Don't I wanted to make a joke like, yeah, the sequel of Batman v Superman is so much better. They should have kept Christian Bale's Batman, but,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not, let's not think about that movie at all, especially in the context of the Oscars, right?
0: Oh, yeah, it's totally Oscar-worthy.
1: Batman v Superman? Yeah. No, okay. I'm
0: kidding. I th- thank goodness. This is yeah. about to be a very, very short show. Oh, God. Yeah. Just... Fuck this, and he just leaves.
2: <laughs> You're
0: about to lose another mic, Mike, Mike. Yeah, exactly. Oh, ha, ha, haven't heard that one. Next is going to be a short pun. All right, oh. but, uh Anyways. Uh, uh, well, so, um, yeah, I saw, you know what? I was surprised. I surprisingly liked this movie a lot more than I thought I would. You know, because I don't care about cars. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm not a gearhead. I'm a fucking nerd. But so I'm like, oh, this is just going to be some male dick waving chauvinistic thing. <laughs> and you know, in some ways it is. Listen to that. We still have an old phone here. Um, but you no, know, when I saw it, you know, it, it played all sort of this traditional conventions of a biopic or based on a true story movie. You know, you have the one guy who's cool headed, Matt Damon, and the hot headed guy, which is Christian Bale, which deservedly he's cast in that role because I think unfortunately. <laughs> Whenever you type in Christian Bale, YouTube's algorithm wants to tear his career apart by showing his meltdown audio.
1: Because it's a great piece of audio. It's fucking great. It's so (laughs) juicy.
0: But you know what? He's such a good actor that he can do it. Yeah. So, And again, I think he's kind of calmed down since then. I don't know. I'll just make excuses for liking him. I don't care. Because he's such a good actor, he can. If he was a shitty actor and he did that, you know, fuck him all the way.
1: Yeah, why Uh, have one standard when you can have two?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) But. Uh, no, it, it's, um, but, you know, it, it moved at a brisk pace, uh, no pun intended, it, uh, it, it, it did, you know, it, uh, for two and a half hours, it didn't quite feel like that, you know, it did play the familiar scenes, but they weren't trying to hide it, they weren't trying to hide the fact that Okay, this is the part where the CEO is insulted by the other CEO, and now he wants to take down the company. You kind of do have a stake in it, where you're like, "Yeah, take down that Ferrari Italian bastard," you know. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, having said that, you know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, was it best picture worthy? No, but there's a lot of movies that aren't best picture worthy, and that's a whole argument about the Oscars, where I don't think movies should compete with each other, but screw it it is as my uh friend in la told me it's like the gay super bowl you know (laughs) and uh yeah for 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 us artists it's like the super bowl and yeah i i I definitely would like it's kind of like the packers versus the 49ers last week in terms of you know the best picture nominees but it was still a lot of uh fun so your thoughts
1: um yeah i thought it was fun ish um it's weird i watched it with my wife last night yeah. and i was it, again it was another 20 hour day so you're talking like i'm in the home stretch of this thing oh a and two I'm and like, a half
0: hour movie starting and he did it se- just for me well <laughs> and, and for me kidding.
1: too for my soul yeah. no um yeah so starting at 7 30 p.m um i i got into it but i found myself more interested in the character plot involving uh john bernthal is leia coca yeah. dealing with henry ford ii played by tracy letts yeah. than i was in the main story with matt damon and christian bale christian mm. bale i decided like aside from american psycho i don't really want to see him ever do comedy again oh because i he's disagree
0: like, he I, was great I hmm. he was
1: all right i mean by the end of the movie i had warmed up to him but i just thought he was a little bit too uh chimney sweep uh, Mary Poppins and his life, <laughs> he's oh, too much oh, like JJ yeah. you know kind he's of too like, much
0: like Dick Van Dyke very much yeah. so
1: uh, and i know this is you know he's doing his sort of native accent but
0: that's what i liked i'm like oh good he's not doing another accent all, which, all all of this i am i am more like we don't get that yeah I,
1: it's it's good to see him you know not having to try so hard to maintain an accent but it was just and i can't fault him for it because mm-hmm. you know it's the movie he signed up for it's a part he's yeah. doing i just didn't care for him being the sort of wacky you know relief guy also because and this comes back down to the screenplay there is something to what you had said earlier because i'm not a car guy either yeah i imagine this almost being a a a creation of the studios to say let's come up with an oscar picture that guys will actually want to go see yeah, because and like a general audience dudes. Because yeah. when the awards season comes out, like after summer, the cliche is like, oh, the big explosion movies, and then mm-hmm. then you get into Oscar season, and it's a bunch of movies that nobody's seen and are all artsy and European and shit. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, Matt Damon and Christian Bale, you know, any Nico
0: Haneke film, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: you've, well, you've got. Oh, I would love to see the, him do that this movie, but you've got. <laughs> You've got uh,
0: <laughs> oh god that'd be that'd be so just just it would be the slowest car movie I've ever seen yeah yeah
1: it'd be like the the subplot of the Last Jedi right a slow motion space chase <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, no so you've got Jason Bourne and Batman in a in a racing movie um, it's uh, you know but it's so they're so macho and so mm. kind of asshole-ish that I couldn't quite relate to them it's like I don't have fun watching these characters like mm. at the beginning of the movie spoilers I guess matt damon um he's like he's frustrated so he just takes his sports car and he's like whipping it out into traffic and like driving all crazy and he does the same thing at the end of the movie i'm like that's i don't care how cool a character is that's an asshole thing to do
0: yeah and i don't find it
1: you know it's not something that i watch (laughs) my entertainment and be like oh this is the guy i'm supposed to root for yeah you know like i said i overall enjoyed the movie ironically i fell asleep during the Le Mans race the entire point of this movie is building up to this race it's like 25 minutes long and I was in and out during the entire thing and I wasn't compelled to stay awake because I'm like okay they're driving and I kind of black out and I wake <laughs> up oh they're driving the rain oh they're driving the dark or whatever happened yeah and I'm like like you said it's predictable I didn't miss anything yeah I came alive for the last 20 minutes and I thought that was great um so overall i saw the movie i enjoyed it i understand why it's the best picture contender but we'll probably talk about snubs in a little bit i don't know yeah. that it belongs on the pan- on the podium
0: no it doesn't and i i do like the point that you made like i remember before they did the big climactic race they had a climactic race before that and i'm like oh wait there's another race and like, then it uh... comes out there was like
1: there was three of them
0: I guess uh, it was yeah, that's, a race that uh, that's we overkill. See. Yeah. yeah, that's like that's like Return of the King. Why they didn't have like <laughs> the other seventy pages there? Like they're not gonna like throw away the ring and then return to the Shire and have to fight the orcs who like burn the place down and massacre everybody. You know? Spoilers
1: yeah. for the old book.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, there, there. I think there's a cap on spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> true,
1: very true.
0: Yeah, um, but. You know what? I did enjoy Christian Bale's comic relief. It's it's fun to see a more likable side of him. Him poking fun at himself in this sort of way. You know, he's like, oh no, I'm the guy who got mad on set. Yeah, chimney, chimney, chirru. Um You but- see,
1: I liked him when the the scenes with him and Noah Jupe, who plays his son. Who he's he's like the yeah. it kid. He's everywhere now, and I think it's that's wonderful. Is he? Huh. Yeah, he was in uh, a quiet place. He's huh. gonna be in a quiet place too. He was in Honey Boy. Uh, okay. Um, a see, other I didn't things.
0: see those movies. So yeah. Uh, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh,
1: but no, the the moments where he's actually playing a character and not like the hyper masculine, you know, throwing wrenches through windshields guy, yeah. I really enjoyed.
0: See, I, I I kind of know a lot of guys like that, so
1: I don't because and, I just don't yeah associate with them like oh. You're a throwing wrench guy. I'm gonna go talk to like 30 other people.
0: Yeah, yeah. See, I, I'm I'm a Type A personality, and my dad was, so I kind of relate to those characters. You've never thrown so, a
1: wrench at me, so we can still. be Oh friends. no! I
0: well, there's career reasons, uh, but no, I just get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, and I would never want to, because you're nothing but nice to me. Oh. Um, but, I mean, I can't think of anyone uh, on the critic side I want to throw a wrench at. I can think of people in the comedy community I'd love to throw a fucking wrench at. And not uh, a rubber one. Uh, no, not a rubber one. Okay. Real, real hard one with spikes on the end. All right, but anyway. Whoa. <laughs> how is
1: that even practical? Yeah. All right.
0: but anyways, uh, I don't know. It's like some Mad Max shit there, you know, but. Which also involves cars. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah, see see how it all comes together? You know, yes. it's like poetry. It all rhymes. Um, <laughs> Fucking Jar Jar. I'll leave the poor man alone. For <laughs> Ahmed Best. I'm drawing a distinction between I Jar did. Jar
1: and Ahmed Best.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, no. There is a distinction between the two. Uh, yes. Uh, um, but uh, moving on, um, I think for Versari, you know, I, I think I'm going to give that a three and a half star. Maybe it'll go around to a three star, but we'll see. Because it is repetitive, it is. Uh, Tracy Lutz, by the way, he really does play the guy who says no to everybody in every movie. Because wasn't he also in Little Woman? Which I watched the no... night before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, you see? We yeah. went from the like polar opposite movies. Like, here's the girl's film, here's the guy's film yeah. with those. But um, on that note, speaking of guys and, you know, uh, Gabagool, uh here's the Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> wow. Where, uh, okay, Irishman, all right, i what are you gonna, where, I'm going to get all the criticisms out of the way first that everyone on the internet has said, yes, it's too long. Yes, the de-aging is distracting. Okay, yes, it is sort of a glamour project. But having said that, this is a movie that unpacks a ton of information to the audience, you know, this is a long history of Jimmy Hoffa and his uh, relationship with Frank Sheeran, based on the book. I hear you paint houses, which clearly Marty wanted to title that movie that from this opening scroll. Yeah, but they just—I don't know why they even called it the Irishman if the movie itself didn't call it the Irishman. Um, but
1: well, yeah, there was there was a reference. It was weird because the reference to the Irishman in the movie. Was I believe in? Uh, they were talking about Jack Kennedy. Like they're like, yeah, they called him the Irishman. I'm like, well, okay,
0: uh, not well, even Frank. That, <laughs> that and Frank. Well, they did talk about how Frank was Irish, right? But, but he like but the would only time speak Italian and then eat bread dipped in wine in an Italian restaurant, talking about how he served in Italy. It was real
1: like in the war Tom Hagen situation from The Godfather, where he was like the. uh, he was the consigliere to the family, but he was not. He was the adopted kid.
0: Yeah, um, that, yeah. That we were actually watching Godfather Part Two on the TV here earlier.
1: Oh, that's right. I want yeah. to, That's it's on right but, now.
0: No, the uh, Irishman, despite its meanderings, you know, this was a deeper gangster film that I actually appreciated more than Casino because of the end of Casino. Um, uh, the, the protagonist, I'm uh, blinking on his name. They always called him Ace. You know, uh, he always. Uh, <laughs> You know, he didn't really face any real consequences or regrets from his decisions, he, and even he, he got, got blown a, up. Well, no, he was fine. Uh, you know, well, he, he got he out survived. of the car. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Um, at the end, he still had his house and everything. Yeah. You know, and his coked up wife. Uh, who knows what happened to her? She, she. She, they, they, she wound up dying in a hotel room. I remember that. And then um, everyone else paid consequences. Uh, but that was a movie all about excess because it's Vegas. And then, uh, you could say Goodfellas is a movie about access and that movie, even, uh, you know, Henry Hill, he didn't like, yeah, he couldn't be in the mob anymore. And he had to live an average life, but that's about it. You know, even when he was in prison, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And I would even extend that olive branch further where I would say that the Wolf of Wall Street was sort of a crime movie made in the same style with the narration and the stills and all that. Jordan Belford just got a free ride, and he got a movie made about him by Martin Scorsese. Yeah. And I think he's the worst of all those guys, you know? No argument there. Yeah. and uh, But this movie, this is about a man where the last 30 minutes really encompasses the film. He lives with his regrets. You know, all his friends <laughs> die in prison. He's no longer relevant. And... You know, especially that scene when the nurse is, you know, going over, you know, the the photos with him. And he's like, oh, that's Jimmy Hoffa. And she's like, oh, yeah. And she doesn't know who he is. Right. It really sinks at home. And uh, Martin Scorsese's own, I, I think in a way, this was like sort of his most personal film in terms of gangster pictures that connects to Mean Streets in a way. Because this is about a guy who uh, came from a background where he had to sort of have this life of crime that he has to embrace, and, you know, he struggles with his own own religion. So in the end, with that final shot with the door sort of creaking a little open, it's sort of like Frank Sheeran asking God to still let him in heaven, even if there's no chance. And I thought that was uh, deeply relevant to me. So, yeah, so I did like it in the end, despite the the usual critiques.
1: Yeah, I mean, The the Irishman, um, I liked it. The further away I get away from it, I kind of wonder why. Yeah. Um, I think the, the CGI stuff, uh, the the, DG, the aging, did not bother me in context. Like mm-hmm. Everyone saw the early stills and they're like, what is going on here? There's a little bit of that, but it, I think in a lot of places it's handled very well, especially since they're mm-hmm. jumping through different time periods. I think it's mm-hmm. handled all right. Um, but it, it is, it's uh, three and a half hours and... The first two hours, I think I was with it, but then it kind of lost me, and I never found my way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just—it may be a very personal film to Scorsese, but for me, I mean, it's got a like Gold, Goldfellas. Goodfellas is the <laughs> highest. Goldfinger. Yeah, you know, well, Martin Scorsese's Goldfinger. <laughs> <Goldfellas,
0: my laughs> <papa. laughs> but Gold—I can't. jeez.
1: Good. I was gonna say good. Goldfinger
0: or uh, Goldeneye is an awesome video game. Okay movie, but all right. on <laughs> Goodfellas, yes.
1: But Goodfellas, uh, you know, I think it's because we're following, uh, you know, Ray Liotta's character from, you know, childhood up until, you know, everything goes to shit as an adult. Yeah. That felt more personal to me mm. um, than this movie. Uh, mm. The Irishman, I'll remember for the performances. Yeah. Notably uh, Al Pacino. It's great to see him, like, acting again.
0: Being in his prime again, doing what he does best. Yeah. yeah
1: and I think... De Niro is just kind of serviceable. Like, that's the problem is he's got, he's very good at what he does. He's kind of yeah. like Wolverine. But uh, <laughs> in in the end, it's, I can't say there's anything exceptional about it. Like, yeah, that this movie, it kind of has the Meryl Streep problem, which mm-hmm. is if Meryl Streep comes out with a movie, it's going to get nominated for an Oscar. And yeah. She's going to get nominated yeah. for some kind of an acting award. I feel like the same is true for Scorsese. The same is true for De Niro. It's like, it almost doesn't matter what it is. It's mm-hmm. just going to be there. And... A lot of people love The Irishman. I don't know anyone who outwardly hates it, but I'm in the camp that it's like,
0: eh. Eh, Yeah, I think that's kind of the overall viewpoint of it. Like, yeah, you can see the huge 90% Rotten Tomato score and all the nominations, but you ask most people, they're kind of in between about it. If they've even watched
1: it. I mean, like, I I know a lot of people who because it's on netflix now and you can you know it's three and a half hours long people are like yeah i watched it in like you know it took me like 20 viewings to get through it yeah or i watched it and i kind of turned it off after a while yeah there's not a lot of commitment there
0: well i, I saw it at uh the chicago international film festival and i had to get there two hours ahead of time you know to get it because i wanted my good pissing aisle seat for that <laughs> movie and uh yeah, so I had to sit through that three and a half hour movie with no intermission. Everyone looked like they wanted to die, and by the I think they felt like <laughs> they aged like De Niro in the nursing home by the end of it, you know. And and I'll, okay, here's I will say there are some two major criticisms of this. I hate, 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 hate the fish scene, you know, Which, uh, when they're in the car. Oh, they're talking about the yeah, fish yeah, for like okay, yeah, with his son minutes, or yeah, mm-hmm. especially when that comes towards. This inevitable conclusion where we know Frank's going to have to kill Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. You know, that's not a spoiler. That's history. You know, that's like giving away that the Titanic sank. What? You know? <laughs> I should have watched that movie. Yeah, how knew dare it. you give that away? <laughs> yeah. And but, what's the other thing? Um, the other thing was, I, I, I didn't hate this as much, but when they're in the big banquet hall and there's like three scenes about talking to jimmy hoffa to calm down that's
1: where that's where it lost me yeah i'm like i the movie does an okay job of getting up to speed on who all the players are and what the politics of the era was yeah but i feel like that scene really got into the weeds and by the time it came back i was like okay i guess i understand why these people are mad at each other but i don't really oh here's where hoffa dies yeah (laughs) at this point it's like can
0: we just kill him we need to talk about it like for eight different scenes and it was so
1: unspectacular again i go back to goodfellas one of the all-time murder scenes was joe pesci when he walks into the room and sees the chair
0: what the yeah right and this
1: one it's kind of that same thing where they're rushing to get out of the house and Pacino just turns and frank's like pops him like De Niro could not have been less invested. I know it's a very quick scene, but there just there was nothing. There was no style to. It was just very flat.
0: Well, I like the fact that the scene was flat because it showed how they're, 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 they kind of take the romanticism out of the murders in the other Scorsese films. You know, like when they uh, stab Mori in the back of the uh, the head with the ice pick. You know. That's still kind of like a big scene when they beat the shit out of Frank Vincent in the bar. That's a yeah. big scene right here. They kind of do it like real quick. Like that's what it is it's ugly. But uh, they, they really should have done something with uh, a D.H. De Niro beating up the store clerk in a single wide shot, which was the, the most I think that was that has to go down to the number one unintentional. I Every year I like to think of the, like, the best unintentional hilarious moment <laughs> in a film. Yeah. And I think that's definitely got to be number one this year. Because, like, you could tell barely, uh, De Niro's barely able to throw this guy out the window. The, the window breaks even before the guy's head even hits it. <laughs> and there was, like, a reaction shot of, of his daughter. Why didn't they just keep that and just hold on her? Right. Instead of doing the, the, you know, the, you know, poor De Niro where, they, where he looks like someone needed to help him kick the guy.
1: Sure. And, and that's part of, you know, maybe it's... Uh, a choice in the part of Scorsese as he gets older yeah. but damn it, one of the reasons I go to his movies is for that operatic kind of bloodletting yeah you know and and a lot of the deaths in this movie plus it, it got a little bit gimmicky you'd see the the flashing up title cards of like who these people are and how they would eventually oh, yeah, die that
0: looked really cheap it's like I could have done that in premiere in two seconds yeah.
1: right but we see this we see that for one character and it's like oh he dies he was shot in the street or something and yeah. then later we actually see that happen but I didn't connect with who that character was anyway throughout the film. He was, I don't know, everything just, it seemed, it felt kind of cheap to me.
0: Yeah, I I think the 30 minutes was the saving grace of this movie, Um, but I, I, like I I always joke on Facebook, I always say stop talking shit about my boyfriend when people (laughs) say things against uh, Martin Scorsese because every critic, every fan of film has their bias. And Martin sure. Scorsese is my bias. So I let things slide that, you know, it wouldn't the shit out of most people. Oh, everyone yeah.
1: everyone has that for yeah. themselves. And I love Scorsese. I don't mean yeah. to trash him. Oh, no. Because uh, he, okay. he's a master To have the critiques reason. is
0: good. Yeah. You want him to do better, and he's still making movies. He's going to make a new one with uh, De Niro and uh, DiCaprio. Double D. <sighs> yeah.
1: I don't know how I feel about that. I need some time. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Irishman, I think... Uh, I, I liked it a lot, but, you know, I get it. I get it. You know, it, it's kind of an automatic winner. Now, here's a movie that, now we're going to get into the uh, controversial uh, films here. Ooh. Uh, Jojo Rabbit. Uh, <laughs> I would like to hear what you think of it before I, because that's a movie that stirs reactions no matter who sees it.
1: Um, I was surprised. Uh, Jojo Rabbit was one of my big surprises last year. mm mm-hmm. um, I really loved the movie yeah. and I was surprised by how many people did not love it. I've seen reactions from people are over the moon to people thought it was just okay. And I know one person who said it is the worst movie of the year. I tied, think I know tied, who you're talking yes, about. Yeah. Tied with Joker. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and I, I don't know if that's hyperbole. It's come up on a number of like social media threads so I'm starting to feel like it's not a joke. I yeah. kind of want to dig into that, but I also kind of don't want to, because yeah. I feel like that'd be one of the most joyless conversations I'd have.
0: <laughs> hey, let's talk about the Nazi movie. No, yeah. I'm just
1: talking about like how you can not connect to Jojo Rabbit on any kind of level, mm. as far as quality. Mm. Um, but yeah, I thought Taika Waititi did uh, a great job with coming up with something that was satire, but also had... a lot of uh, heart to it Mm. um you know scarlett johansson this is one of her years for movies like between Mm -hmm. this and marriage story which we'll talk about Mm -hmm. Uh, i thought she was really great in a relatively small part um uh i think um sam rockwell you know kind of broke my heart at the end
0: oh Uh, yeah yeah Um, i cried during that scene yeah i i got
1: i got you know misty-eyed too yeah um but yeah there's so many wonderful elements that even if not all of it works, like some of the humor yeah. I think falls flat. Yeah. Um, possibly more than Waititi perhaps expected, yeah. um, but as far as what the movie means and what it has to say, I think there's a lot going on that maybe people aren't giving it credit for, like yeah. the Hitler as the imaginary best friend, mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. the way he transforms throughout the movie and the way, because mm-hmm. he, he doesn't exist, he's a projection, he's a creation of Jojo's yeah. mind, yeah. And the way Jojo is starting to learn about the world and what's really going on behind this like demented Boy Scout regime mm. uh, affects the way he perceives his imaginary best friend and his yeah. idol. And it's yeah. there's some really dark yet also touching stuff because you see this kid coming to the light side yeah. and the dark trying to pull him back in. It's better than the last three Star Wars movies in that regard. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> Fortunately, we're not to talk about that one again. Yeah. So what did you think about Jojo Rabbit? You like? know
0: what? Actually, I agreed with everything you said because I thought this was an incredibly... I thought, okay, we've done the Nazi thing to death. You know, we, we've done... Because, I mean, of course, you have to make multiple films about the worst genocide or one of the worst genocides in history. But what this movie does is it makes you see what it would be like to be a Nazi when you don't want to be a Nazi. You know, specifically through Sam Rockwell's character where, like, this guy didn't want to be where he is, but he had to be because if if, if you don't do what they say, they won't kill you. They'll kill your family. They'll kill everyone that you know that you love. So you have to... That's why he was drinking all the time. That's why he had the secret gay relationship that didn't seem tacky to me but completely reasonable. And on your note of the imaginary friend is Hitler, you know, people go, "Oh, that's so over the top. That's so stupid." I'm like, "Well, is it? Because if you think about it, how would it be any different from a kid from uh, like 1993?" idolizing Michael Jordan, Mm -hmm. you know, or idolizing an actor that they like, or, or, or or maybe a politician that they, I mean, like Bill Clinton was hot shit in his days. You know, he was playing the microphone, uh, the saxophone and all that, Yeah, you know, and this is no different. And this takes sort of an innocent perspective of the worst atrocity on earth and shockingly works, Yeah, you know, and I get why some people are sickened by it. They're like, Oh, you're, you're, you're making a mockery out of the Holocaust and all that. But what better way to make fun of Nazis but also understand them on a level that's hard to talk about than to humanize them in a way where it's like, well, these guys, a lot of them didn't want to do this stuff. And, you know, this is, this is a situation that they were stuck in. And especially as a kid, like, this kid was so brainwashed being a Nazi, like, he doesn't become un-Nazi until, like, the very end of the film where he makes a certain decision where you wanna punch him in the teeth, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, should we talk about the Anne Frank character a little bit? Yeah, or played by
1: uh, Thomas, Ma- Thomas and Mackenzie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she was, yeah, she was she great. She
0: was phenomenal in it, yeah.
1: Um, you know, and one of the things that surprised me about the film, and this yeah. relates to her, before the screening I saw, it was a critic screening, they had like one of those little promotional things where mm-hmm. it shows like Taika Waititi directing the film in the Hitler outfit. <laughs> uh, and he's talking, he's talking about why he made the movie and it was, he gave another, this almost turned me off to it before the film started.
2: This
1: mm. is I probably mentioned before and people are sick of hearing me about it, I'm tired oh. of these Trump era movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah whereas yeah, everyone's yeah. trying to make their statement and their dig against the administration, and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and, and I'm fine with that as long as it's not easy. And I find a lot of these statement movies are easy. Uh, What's the next
0: one we're going to talk about? Well, <laughs> the, the thing
1: I liked about this is I watched him say this is a reaction, my reaction to the times we're living in. I'm like, oh, God. But it really is, but not in a way that I was expecting. Because it's not
0: blatantly hitting you over the head like, Trump's bad! Yeah. It's not, but the thing yeah. is,
1: it's the message of the movie, aside from Nazism is bad, is yeah. that the people that you perceive to be on the opposite side of you yeah. are people. And they might be doing monstrous things, but unless you stop and talk to them and and try and figure out, like if if you were just to line up the characters in this movie, all dressed in their Nazi outfits Mm. and say, okay, who's the hero in this movie? Who's the one who's working for the resistance and who's going to turn out to save everybody in the end and be like, no, there's a fucking Nazis. I'm not going to look at these people, talk to them. What do you mean? Yeah. So I think that in that sense, this is a very important film and it's, Again, I was very surprised that it didn't get the push or the love that I thought it deserved, and it was kind of disappointing.
0: Yeah, well, there, there's just so much empathy in this movie that I see lacking in other films, mm-hmm. because it's not just empathetic, but it's challenging your empathy yes. in a lot of ways. It's saying, okay, you want we really want to look at these guys that you consider monsters, because they were, and, you know, I mean, we, we still have the evil—I mean, they have a show on Amazon right now about hunting Nazis— I you haven't know, seen
1: that. Is it any good?
0: I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. You know? <laughs> I, I <laughs> saw the trailer for it. I was like, "Yeah, pretty interesting. But, but it's like, well, we get it. Nazis are bad. So here's something. It's not hunting them, but understanding maybe the few Nazis, who knows how many, that didn't want to be it. I actually got in a conversation with a Lyft driver recently, and she was telling me about her grandfather. He was, like, in his 70s, and... You know, he never agreed with the Nazis. He didn't want to be one. They said to him, you know, we'll kill you and your family and everyone you love and burn your house down if you ever go against us. So he had to be this person who didn't agree with the cause, who had to live the remainder of his life on the run or basically in prison and and, and then died that way. And it's like, that's where we don't understand someone as a person or a situation that they were in. And that's a challenging thing to bring up or ask. And I I give Taiku Watiti all the, I hope I said it right, please, God. Yes. Uh, uh, I believe you did, yes. Okay. That, uh, you know, all the credit for, for doing that. You know, now that we talk about it, I'm starting to like Joker less. Um, <laughs> 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 no,
1: as you should. No, no um, but yeah, sure. going back to Thomas and Mackenzie's character, yeah. I mean, she is the, uh, she's the Jewish girl living in the, the walls of Jojo, the, the main kid's house. And he's been brought up to think that Jews are inhuman and they're evil and they're, they're, yeah. you know, monsters with fangs. And then he quote unquote meets one and gets to know her yeah. and that part of the story is not surprising because by the end the, the two kids are going to get along and you know people are people and all that good stuff but just the scene where she walks out onto the street after yeah. everything's been liberated and it's just this golden I'm getting goosebumps <laughs> right now it's just yeah. you can feel the freedom and the the relief and the heartache of having survived and everything turned out okay it's like why couldn't this have just happened a few years earlier yeah yeah before I... all my friends and family were killed <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and why why did he have to lie that they were or no i can't give away that plot point yeah. but yeah um yeah but the, yeah you know what it was it was just a deeply personal beautiful fact. it was it was a movie a comedy about the third reich that you wouldn't think would be possible to make and it was based on a book
1: which um, i have not read but i understand yeah. it's different i that thanks for reminding me i gotta pick that up and read it yeah. so i'm
0: very curious I was saying to Wikipedia, so it could be bullshit for all I know. Uh, it is but, based on the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's true. Uh, so what's up? What's okay, next? so let's talk about the movie that has the most amount of nominations, which is Joker. Okay, I, I'm gonna let you go off. I I, I saw your video about it, and uh, very valid points. Very valid points. Uh, but uh, please go ahead.
1: You know, people love Joker um, yeah. and that's fine. People hate Joker and that's fine too. I'm going to be, you know, the yeah. milk toast fence sitter and sit squarely in the middle and be like, I get it. Um, but as far as being best picture, I just feel like this is one of those Titanic slash Avatar situations mm. where the movie that makes a billion dollars is yeah. going to be up on that stage, you know, competing with everybody else. Yeah. Um, and I was talking to someone else about this earlier. It's a very tough situation to be in. Yeah. Because for as much credit as Joaquin Phoenix is getting that for that performance, I can't take that away from him. But I just feel like that. I think it was the uh, the Honest Trailers guys came out with the Joker Honest Trailer well, the they, other day. They
0: always do a best. They right. always do a best. Yeah. But they he always plays the same character. The, the, the right, weird and they, loner. Yes, yeah.
1: exactly. I think that might have been like the the weird skinny loner guy. Yeah. And you know he commits to the part, and that's fantastic. It's just that. I don't know if it's the best acting or the most acting. Um, yeah. And part of, a lot of my problems come down to the screenplay. I think that it's a fantastic idea for kind of an Elseworlds Batman universe story, mm-hmm. but I feel like it needed another pass by someone who wasn't Todd Phillips and by someone who had not <laughs> seen Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy.
0: Right, right, yes. Uh, there are certainly some very unsubtle um, <laughs> references to it. Um, for me, and a lot of people I know, uh, like I've struggled with mental illness in my life that I don't tell people about. You know, there's things I've been diagnosed with that I don't publicly disclose. Sure. So for me, I could connect to that character. I could connect to how people ignore him. I mean, certainly beating the shit out of him in three scenes <laughs> is a little much. Yeah. And yes, literally hitting him over the head with the theme of the film, Everything Must Go, is a little much. But there, there is a note to filmmaking that uh, I did uh, uh, write about online, which is, um, you know what? I'm okay with a movie slamming you over the head with its, with its messaging if it works. And I feel like it does. I feel like, yes, although the movie's on repeat, I feel like this does connect to a lot of people and not insular men. You know, this movie did not create insular violence. What it created no. was a bunch of people dancing on their staircase. Yeah. you know,
1: <laughs> That that was one of my other favorite narratives, like, about yeah. the movies last year was all this concern about, you know, the kind of concern trolling, like, oh, my God, the incels are going to rally around this character's yeah. new violence in theaters. And, yeah, there's just dancing. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing is, I understand, well, I don't understand, but I can appreciate yeah. that as someone who deals with the issues that are brought across in this film that you connect with it. Mike question there is it seems like he's got all of the symptoms like he's he's every kind of movie crazy you've ever seen Mm. and then he becomes the Joker so as much as it's nice I guess to see mental illness represented and taken seriously in a quote-unquote artsy film I feel that it could be damaging to people with genuine mental problems because audiences who are going to see this, they're seeing, oh, this guy has all these mental problems. I kind of feel bad for him. Oh, wait, now he's killing people and he's turning into the Batman villain, the Joker, Yeah. which kind of stigmatizes people with mental illness. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that's true. But the thing was, they don't really even, like they kind of obligatorily put Batman in the film that I don't think, well, not Batman, but Bruce Wayne in the film yeah. that, you know, didn't Maybe they didn't want to. I thought it worked in a certain way because we kind of know who Thomas Wayne is. And it's very unsubtle with, as you were saying, how t- everyone's making their Trump is bad movie. Well, that's which, the thing. Uh, and this movie really hits you over the head with it. Like the guys who are the Wall Street guys who are beating up in, him up in the train. He looks just like, uh, you know, Donald Jr. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, the saying, fuck the rich and all that. And again, I'm okay with that. Uh, my review, I got a little too excited when I wrote it. And <laughs> I just wrote like a huge anti-Trump piece. And I think on my end, maybe I should have taken a step back. Yeah. But it did get attention. So, you know, yeah,
1: well, yeah, yeah. well that's the thing. Is I was talking about the, the Trump era movies. Yeah. Joker definitely falls into that category If it's all easy. Yeah. Because if you were to write a really smart piece that really had something to say about the situation we're in. Yeah. You know, here's a little secret. Uh, not every white man who's in power and is an asshole and who has lots of money is a Republican. Yeah. Not every guy in wall street who might beat somebody up because they disagree with, you know, them laughing on the train is a Republican. Yeah. You know, there are, as to quote our illustrious presidents, there are, you know, (laughs) there are fine and I guess rotten people on both sides. Mm -hmm. Fine people on both sides. Right. And, and, you know, kill the rich and all that stuff. You know, that's a whole other conversation. Um, because there are plenty of rich politicians running for the nomination on the Democratic side right oh, now, and nobody's saying yeah. we can't vote for any of you. You're a Bloomberg millionaire, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you, uh, Pete Buttigieg, I think, is the the, the poorest person on the stage, and he's still pretty well off
0: by I, a lot of standards. I, I always <laughs> felt like Thomas Wayne was a Democrat in that movie, actually, well, because but, because he, you know, he, we still know him as this Thomas Wayne that we all know and love. But he's a fucking asshole. But secretly. we don't. But we don't know yeah. him as
1: that. In this yeah. version, this elseworld story, he's not the Doctor Philanthropist that we saw in no. Christopher Nolan's movies. We don't know he's anything about him. Easy,
0: he's like I gotta help you, pal. Right, hey, pal. And like you keep saying that in the movie. Yeah.
1: Right. He's talking about the people in the street as being clowns and all that stuff. So there's nothing inherently yeah. democratic about that. That's something you would uh, typically ascribe in terms of public conversation. Yeah with you know, the conservative point of view, yeah. um, which I can also appreciate, but if you're gonna do that and turn this kind of beloved iconic character into this monster, yeah. make the movie about that. Yeah. Don't even have the business about like little Bruce Wayne, just have the audience wondering, oh shit, if this is Thomas Wayne, what's Bruce gonna turn out like? And have that be, yeah. not even for a sequel, but just kind of like a, a what if scenario yeah. that you're thinking about after the movie's over, and then bring Joker into this world and have him have to deal with that
0: well it's, it's it's funny um there there was an alternate ending but it's according to kevin smith so it's probably bullshit. you know <laughs> um where when they shoot all oh, spoilers to anyone who doesn't know batman's backstories my parents are dead um <laughs> when they shoot thomas and martha wayne i guess it was joker who shot him you know like it was in 1989 batman uh-huh. turns around right Shrugs his shoulder, turns back, and then he shoots Bruce Wayne. Now that would have been interesting. That... But also maybe too much. I don't know. I don't know but if you can like say you'd... anything
1: in this movie would have been too much, because it goes it goes pretty extreme. I yeah. I think I would have respected the movie a lot more if they'd gone with that decision. Yeah. Because then you can't have talk about sequels. Because yeah. leading up to this, like this yeah. is a one-shot, yeah, we're that's... not gonna make a sequel, yeah. Joaquin's not interested. Two weeks later, and the film is like rocketing past all the records like, hey, we're going to make another movie and Joaquin's going to be in it.
0: Yeah, Joaquin already expressed his interest. He really never expressed his interest in sequels. But uh, what I say, will say is I, I feel like Todd Phillips surprised me. I, I felt like, oh, God, you know, the hangover guy. The, but you know what? Yeah, it hits you over the head. Uh, but to me, it's like whatever. I have a bad day. I just think about those stairs that he's got to walk <laughs> up, you know, and I think about the urban decay that yes, it is uh, emulated it exactly in this movie, but who, who's to say that Quentin Tarantino, which we'll get into, doesn't do the same thing with his movies where he just, Completely imitates what other filmmakers have done and yeah. has gotten away with it for years. And, you know, he does it because he's good at it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I feel the same with this movie. Like, yes, there's, I mean, come on, there's a scene where uh, Arthur's got the gun and he's rehearsing the whole thing where he's going to go on the Murray Franklin show. You know, it's the same scene as Robert De Niro pushing the TV with his foot with the gun in his hand. Yeah, It is the same thing, but you know what? If it works, it works. And if it connects to you, it does. And it, the funny thing is the people who had the strongest reactions to the scenes where you think insults would do it mm-hmm. were perfectly stable people. Uh, my brother-in-law, who's married and has two kids, when he shot the two guys on the train, he, he laughed. He said, that's awesome. Rewind that. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so, and my yeah, so it wasn't me who was saying it, but right. him, you know. And, and people who are, and, and you could connect that to a guy saying, oh, that's cool, that's violent, but, I mean, there's sort of a certain horror to that violence in that movie. Very much so. It's, yeah. it,
1: you know, Tarantino knows the line between horrific violence and funny, cool violence yeah. that is also tense, and, we'll, yeah, we'll get to that yeah. in a minute. But the thing... My problem with the Joker comes entirely down to the screenplay. Yeah. I think Todd Phillips, I'm a, I'm a fan of Todd Phillips. I will not apologize for my love of uh, of old school. Oh,
0: I love that. That's the fucking funniest scene ever. It's... I
1: love The Hangover 2. Now, that's okay. that's where
0: I go That's to, pretty cool. Right? That's pretty cool. Um, so I'm done.
1: like, when people are saying, Todd Phillips is going to do a Joker movie produced by Scorsese, I'm like, that's going to be really interesting. Yeah. And I think as far as... You know, he made a real movie that I think surprised people, so yeah. I'm not necessarily mad at him for getting you know this kind of acclaim, it's just I wish yeah. the movie was stronger. Looks great, score is awesome, that's being recognized and that's wonderful. The performances are wonderful, even Joaquin Phoenix who has kind of knocking, it's just that yeah. if the movie had demanded more of his character.
0: Knock, knock. All right, it's well you said knocking i couldn't resist no it's fine (laughs) um
1: then i think i would have been just overall happy but i feel like this needed another pass in the script department and Mm. then it would have been you know green lights all the way
0: yeah 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 absolutely and the thing i like about this movie is how separated it makes everybody you know it's like whether you love it whether you hate it whether you're in between everyone's got an opinion you know stronger in between on this film and it's not just like everyone's like, ah, oh, it's stupid. It's Batman vs. Super or some shit like that, no. you know? And th- that's what I like about it. Not just in terms of comic book movie, but as a movie. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, thats a, I think it's a great film for everyone to have their own sort of hot take on. <laughs> uh, okay, so this movie, I'm going to have the least say about it because I don't think I'm the target audience, but Little Woman. Yeah. Um, you know, I did quite appreciate this movie, you know, as someone who's not into BBC films and 17th century dress pieces. I did like that. They address the fact that a woman cannot be independent unless she gets married and, you know, has a happy family and all that. And that's still relevant today in a certain way, Eh. you know, but you know, I mean, outside (laughs) of that though, I just felt like the movie was, I don't know. I I just felt like, okay. Like I know originally I wrote, Oh, it's stupendous, but I don't know. I, I can't really differentiate it from like any other like BBC film that I've seen.
1: Um, I can in that I've seen a lot of really good BBC films and yeah. I don't I don't consider this to be a good movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I really liked very I can't think of anything I really liked about it. Um, and part of that is I watched it with my wife and she really didn't care for it because she's a huge fan of the 1994 version with Winona Ryder and Claire Dane.
0: See, I'm not familiar with the whole... I didn't know it was based on something that... uh, I didn't want to be familiar with the whole history.
1: Yeah, I mean, Louisa May Alcott's book, and then it's been... I think this is, like, the seventh film adaptation of it.
0: Wait, so it was written by a guy? Louisa. Oh, Louisa. I thought you said Louis. No, (laughs) sorry, Louisa May Alcott. Um, That would change everything. I'd be like, oh... (laughs)
1: <laughs> but no. Yeah. Th- so the thing is, she was confused from the outset because I was confused, and that kind of yeah. set off a confusion chain reaction.
0: That's how I felt when I saw it. My like, way, like, who's this? What? Well, the to thing is, Tennessee it... in love with who? What?
1: Yeah. <sighs> don't get me started on Tennessee Shamolet.
0: He's so fucking smug. Well, right, the thing is, <laughs> no, no. The thing is, like, he's being
1: hailed as like one of the great actors of our generation. I don't think I've really <sighs> cared for. I'm struggling to think of something where I thought, wow, that guy was really remarkable um but anyhow
0: why just because he jizzed in a peach all right anyway
1: <laughs> uh, so the movie uh takes place during the civil war and there's the march sisters i think there's five of them
0: wasn't it a post-civil war yeah.
1: was it i, I, don't, I don't know, know. it's was, it was around that
0: time. bob o'don kirk wasn't home yet and they're still looking for him
1: yeah i thought that was i thought this was during the war
0: oh uh, okay i could yeah. i could be totally Cause, wrong because like at the beginning of the film uh, uh, what's the name of the guy we were talking about earlier? The guy who says no to everyone. Tracy Letts. Yeah. Yeah. Tracy Letts was uh, was uh, saying we just went through a war. Maybe like that's in the past okay. Past tense. Yeah.
1: So maybe it's like it's just it's still fresh in everyone's minds. We'll yeah. say. But so it's these these five sisters and they're living modestly. Uh, they all have these kinds of well not all of them but there's like relationship drama and stuff. The yeah. problem that with Greta Gerwig's adaptation of it is the movie jumps forward and backward through time, the span of seven years, and wow. there's no yeah. indication aside. You have to pay really close attention to the dress and the environments to figure out where the hell you are at any given time. Because mm. at one point, uh, I was I was making a snide, snide remark to my wife.
0: Uh, cause I think you say a Snyder remark. N-
1: <laughs> n- n- yeah, I bash her over the head with a toilet. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Love you, honey. Yeah. Um, no, but I said uh, it was when Florence Pugh was yelling at Timothy Chamolais, like yeah. early in the movie. I'm like, wait a second. Didn't they meet like 10 minutes ago? Why is she angry at him now? And yeah. she's like, oh, no, this is seven years in the future. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. and I, I got didn't up even and, know
0: I was doing that. Well, I yeah. got <laughs> up and I went
1: to go get a drink from the kitchen. She's like, you want me to pause it? I'm like, don't bother. Uh-oh. So I came back, and the whole movie is like this. And part of the problem, and it's something that she picked up, and she really did not like this, but in the original, not the original, because the 94 version, we'll call it, they cast younger actors to play the seven years earlier versions of the March sisters. They are the same actresses playing these same girls in the span of seven years, which is fine if you're like in your 20s, but the oldest one is probably 20 years old, so we've got Florence Pugh playing someone who's 20, and then also the 13-year-old version of herself. And so when she's throwing a temper tantrum, she's like out in the snow and she's like lost her boot or something. She's like, ah, blah, blah, blah. "I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you?" Oh wait, she's a teenage, she's a young teenage girl in this scene. And then like three scenes later, she's like painting pictures in France and shit. I'm like, this movie's a mess. I, I love didn't all even the actors. I know that
0: it was going through time. Oh yeah, it's it's two distinct time periods. Okay, it you know what? <laughs> Guess what? You're no longer three and a half stars. You're two stars. Fuck you. <laughs> Oh, we let's uh, let's nominate Greta Gerwig. Never mind, I'm not gonna get into it. I loved I loved Lady Bird. I loved Lady Bird. I'm a big
1: fan of Saoirse Ronan.
0: I think she she tried to emulate the same thing where life goes very quickly, and as the picture goes on, it moves more rapidly. But that worked for Lady Bird. That doesn't work here because I don't know what the fuck's happening. Well, nothing. I was like, who's mad at who? What? I guess like if you read the book, you'll love it. You know, and if you want to be part of the fucking woke awards, you'll love it. Well, all right, shit, I said it. No, yeah. that,
1: no, that's I, yeah. I think that's fair. Um, because part of what you said about you know women kind of going through the same thing, you know, back in the in that era, that is definitely true. There was oppression and systemic oppression. And I all think that it's stuff. still
0: true, but yeah, well, like but women still get passed up for promotions well, because you know, you know, maybe you got guys who are maybe. There, maybe. I'm
1: not. I'm not willing to go there because. Yeah. I think for as much as there are problems with Me Too and things that have been revealed,
0: yeah,
1: you know, the rights and the laws have changed a lot in the last 150 years. Yeah. So I'm not going to put all of that on the patriarchy. There is, yeah. At some point, you have to stand up and say, things have gotten better. It's still not, you know, terrible. Like when I saw the trailer for Little Women, they I knew exactly who this movie was marketed for because well, most, think, yeah, most of that trailer is yeah. Sir Ronan talking about, you know, a woman can't get ahead. I have to marry in order to be successful. And, like, that was the focus of the trailer. I'm like, I don't
0: but the when, problem was she did get married in the end and she was happy.
1: Well, you it's know, like, well, that's yeah. It, it would have been better if she thing. didn't
0: get married and she it's was happy. It's a
1: weird, confused movie. And yeah. then when it comes out and it bombs and then all the actresses and Greta Gerwig are getting in the media saying, men are just misogynist. No one came to see this movie. Why don't you see this that? movie? And, yeah, eh. it was a big thing. And I'm oh like, this movie, is, Angels. this movie is failing, not because men are misogynist. It's because you've made a movies targeted specifically to women. Even the movies that are quote unquote made for guys, typically women can go and enjoy that because they're not being excluded necessarily. Like a movie like Hobbs and Shaw is a bro film, but it's got The Rock and Jason Statham and and a really strong surprise female protagonist in it. There's nothing for guys to latch onto in this movie except to be talked down to and to have to watch a bunch of girls like Ballroom dancing for an hour and a half,
0: and then ogling over Timothy Chalamet, who, who might does, as well be one of the
1: sisters. He's like he, oh giggling
0: he, along and you know just yeah, prancing about, I'm like what and are his, you doing? him in his, his fuck me face. You <laughs> know, but just, I'm sorry, I, I don't like <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. But anyways, I, no, but that's how you know. I kind of felt the same way with Call Me by Your Name with him yeah. in it. I was like, okay, everyone just wants to be woke and love this movie. You know,
1: yeah, I couldn't stand calling by your name. I didn't think it was I'm
0: sorry, it's like didn't he still fuck a 16-year-old kid? Is that kind of disgusting? Uh, but Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well there, there there I had
1: all sorts of fun issues with that movie and a lot of it, yeah, was centered around if you're trying to make a case for, yeah. you know, a, the, <laughs> But no, if you're trying to to make a case for I hate to say the phrase the gay lifestyle, or yeah. like say something about it, then you know, be a little bit more Flattering, or at least address some of the issues that you're just breezing right past in the movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Brokeback Mountain did a better job at that because that was an appropriate film. This movie was. That movie just felt like a fucking porno. I love quote-unquote, strong, empowered women in my movies? That's exactly what misogynists say. I'm not a misogynist. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, some of them
1: possibly do, but I don't really give a shit.
0: Yeah. No, you know what? It's like, you know what? If I don't like a movie, I don't like a movie. And yeah, that movie was structurally all over the fucking place, and I didn't know what was going on. You know, all I just felt was like, all I thought when I saw that movie is like, nobody likes me. That's what I thought when I saw the movie, okay? I thought about my, my own lack of a love life. Uh, but yeah, I so love you, Mike. The, I know. Will you call me by your name? No. Uh, and, <laughs> and
1: you keep that peach away from me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Little Woman, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm not going to be part of the woke awards for that. Uh, but, the wokies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, all right, so then going on to that, here's Marriage Story where Noah Baumbach He made a pretty good film. He kind of made a movie that's sort of on repeat. He made, like, his fourth divorce film, really. But you know what? I I, I enjoyed it because, really, I I haven't experienced a divorce myself. So I don't know how accurate it was. I think if I heard the term, I'm going to fly to New York or I'm going to fly to L.A. one more time, I was going (laughs) to fly somewhere else. Um, But... You know, I mean, this movie is a movie where they really should not have showed the YouTube clip of the climactic moment, which uh, accumulates everything. You didn't know that? No. The the big argument is, like, on YouTube. No, they gave it away. Yeah, that's, like, the first, it's, like, a huge thing blowing up on YouTube (sighs) now.
1: That's unfortunate. They
0: even, like, revoiced it with, like, Mickey Mouse and Goofy, you know. I
1: would watch that, but only after watching the movie in context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. I gotta look you that up now. F- me, uh, you fucking gaslighted me. <laughs> you're, you're fucking insane. Yeah. But um, I mean, yeah, this is a movie that really gets uh, as seeing a couple who, by some miracle, hasn't divorced yet. I could kind of relate to that a lot, and I think uh, what no, like, like Noah Bumbach made *The Squid and the Whale*, which was a little more kind of sloppy and unfocused, and here. It really doesn't point fingers at who's right or who's wrong. Mm -hmm. But when you see the film, you're going to be pointing your own fingers and taking your own sides, maybe. Or maybe not. I remember talking to this movie with a friend of mine. We already got an argument as to who was right and wrong. And I said to her, you know, this is what makes this movie so great. Is that... We both have our own strong sides, and we just see how stupid and petty a divorce can be. Yeah. And how all this stupid bullshit just comes out of nowhere and and, and can be weaponized when when we don't want it to be. When we want it to be smooth, specifically through the lawyers, through Laura Dern, who is great as, you know, kind of like the flower power girl who you know, wants to see how men are terrible. And then Ray Liotta, who sees how women are just a bunch of gold diggers. And you know, he's the the big grab your balls kind of guy. And then
1: Alan Alda, who pops up, is sort of the guy who's been through a divorce and is trying to help have a driver to a certain extent. He's
0: trying to help, but he's also just kind of like a California airhead, you know, who just doesn't know how to handle these things. But in the way morally, the most sundered one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He he knows how to handle things in a certain context. I think yeah. it, if he had not been facing off against Laura Dern's attorney in particular, he could have. He probably would have stayed on that case a little bit longer. Yeah. But <clears throat> yeah, I, I loved Marriage Story. Um, I'm a big fan of Noah Baumbach. I loved. Yeah. I think it was his last film, which is called While We're Young, which Adam Driver was also in, and that's mm. you know Ben Stiller and Naomi Watts kind of going through uh, some marriage problems. Yeah. Much more of a comedy than than this film was, Right. but uh, yeah, yeah the, the the writing was solid, the performances were just amazing, yeah. all across the board.
0: I thought Scarlett Johansson was no, she was pretty good in that one. I didn't think she was great in Jojo Rabbit, but I thought she was pretty good in this one.
1: I thought. Let let me rephrase my greatness statement. I think yeah. with what she had what she was given time mm-hmm. to do in JoJo Rabbit, I think she did, you know, extraordinarily well. Okay. And it's the same issue with marriage story. She's not called upon to do the same things that Adam Driver is doing. He's yeah. she's the, the one who is being yelled at. And she's kind of yeah. the more centered you know, person in this because she's kind of got the upper hand in this situation. Yeah. Because, as we see, Adam Driver's character has to fly got back all the and forth. And, and <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, and, and, and the family network support and all that stuff. Um, so, Money? Money, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 well, she's, but she's, uh, she is solid uh, in this movie, and I think she yeah. brings a great balance to the force with Adam Driver. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't really have much more to say about Marriage Story except that <clears throat> I've never been divorced either, but I've been yeah. married for you know quite a while, yeah. and it really made my wife and I. We watched a lot of as a cringy movies. movie,
0: huh? it's a cringy movie. It's
1: not cringy. It's yeah. more like, and this is going to sound really smug, but we're like, yeah. we're we kept looking at each other, like so glad that we're. Happy and that this is all working yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know marriage is perfect. We've got our share of problems, oh, certainly as yeah. all people do. But you know, considering how bad things could be, you know, we've got it pretty good.
0: Well, it's like you know, I really got how much this movie affected people. Ironically enough, just reading YouTube comments saying like, "Oh, my parents have this exact argument and this stuff," like I'm like, "Wow, you know, this is bad." And I mean, but curiously, through uh, I'm not going to say who, but people I know. Uh, they're not in our, no, these are people I know personally in my life. I've seen those kind of really ugly situations and I've seen some bad fucking divorces. Oh yeah, you know, I'm, that...
1: I'm a child of a divorce. And yeah. It wasn't, you know, it was in Illinois 30 years ago, but yeah. uh, I remember what it does to people and, and how I can only imagine it's more complicated today.
0: And, and and it does come from an innocent place. And this movie doesn't show, like, the problem I had with Squid and the Whale was that they kind of show Jeff Bridges as just, like, a fucking scummy asshole dad.
1: Jeff it, Daniels?
0: Jeff Daniels. Okay. I'm sorry. I got my Jeff's confused here. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Jack Daniels. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Jeff Daniels. Uh, yes. Uh, he, he just kind of came up like a scumbag, and uh, uh, Laura Laura PBS. Uh, <laughs> she does all the PBS commercials, so that's all you know from.
1: I'm blanking.
0: And yeah, yeah, but... Uh, she she, kind of came off like more empathetic and here like no one was a good guy or a bad guy and that's why will you have arguments about who is in the right or wrong well sure and that's what
1: there are some movies that present real world problems yeah but they pick a character to be emblematic of a Mm -hmm. point of view and they just Mm -hmm. make them kind of cartoonish or blatantly wrong like what you're describing with jeff daniels yeah what i love about marriage story is these are people that you feel like you could meet and you know it's someone did something that caused, you know, over the course of time, this marriage fell apart. It's nobody's really fault. Yeah. But in the course of this divorce, everybody fucks up at some point. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's not, it's like you're saying, you can watch this and have a completely different opinion of who's in the right and the wrong. Yeah. And your opinion might even change over the course of the movie or two years later when you watch it again.
0: Watch it again, yeah. yeah. It could It'd be like, oh, I can't believe I took so-and-so's side. Yeah. Um, one thing, uh, one final thing I liked about the movie was that they had Randy Newman kind of do this very ironic score where everything sounds uppity and happy like as a Toy Story movie, but just everything is horrible and sad as if like the movie's trying to lie to you. Like you're trying to lie to your kid about a situation.
1: It's just like the title, Marriage Story. And, yeah. the, and the promotional artwork, it shows the three of the you know, uh, Scar Joe and Adam Driver and the yeah. little kid like all kind of happy and snuggling. I'm like, yeah. oh shit, I'm yeah. at <laughs> the end of it. <laughs> yeah,
0: ugh. yeah. It was, well, there was. Oh, I love the scene with the razor. But, anyways, uh, <laughs> oh, that was. I thought, like, yeah, Booker, you didn't put that on YouTube. Don't ruin the whole movie. Why are you guys putting the climactic scene there? And anyways. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, moving on from that uh, to uh, a guy who grew up with a divorced mom in Hollywood riding around. In his cars, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I was going
1: to say, it's have to get more specific, because it's yeah, yeah. like everybody in Hollywood. No, no, yeah, no, that's
0: uh, Quentin Tarantino's childhood, literally. Yes. was with his stepdad in his convertible, driving around Hollywood Boulevard. And uh, I thought this was like his most heartfelt film, in a way. You know, I like, although, like, all his, his recent movies, he has his revenge, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, Endings with these, the the revenge ending of... I know I'm giving away the ending, but whatever. You guys know what you're coming into. You know, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood felt like this sweet sort of catharsis. Yeah. And it was like, it was sort of Tarantino showing his more vulnerable side and more of his childhood. And yeah, he's kind of playing the greats, you know, from his own album and paying his blatant homages. But I felt like this is one of his most personal, beautiful films uh, that I would rank uh, as my second favorite, frankly, next to Pulp Fiction. Maybe that'll change, but for right now, I, I really enjoy that movie. And, and Oh, yeah, we saw that in the theater together. Yeah. I, I'm, you, you I'm senile. Me. You, you
1: got me into the line. <laughs> I, I'm so
0: senile. I forgot that. You know, uh, I, I remember how hard I laughed at that movie. It is a movie that has to be seen with an audience. It encourages you to be seen uh, to be seen with one. I mean, when, when uh, Brad Pitt says they're going to do some devil shit,
2: I just <laughs>
0: died in theater. And God, what, what an experience to see with people um, at a Cineplex, you know. Not one with Coca-Cola as or bullshit, see it at the music box or somewhere like that.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, we went with a game crowd Yeah, the opening day of the 70mm presentation, the road yeah. show. So it was ultra special. But... My biggest thing and I've probably talked about this before, but my yeah. big concern with this movie was, I'm always excited for New Tarantino. I'm a huge Tarantino mark. Yeah, but I was concerned because I'm like, okay, he's taking on the Sharon Tate murders. Yeah. How is he going to tastefully like navigate this? Because mm-hmm. this isn't like a crazy cartoonish bloodletting that, that he's used to. That he's no. going to have to either sidestep it completely or do something really spectacular. Mm-hmm. And the way they handled that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to give too much away because there we are people who did. probably, yeah. but there are probably people who haven't seen it, yeah. right? So all I'll say, if you want to give it away, you can. But All I'll say is once I figured out where he was going, the audience figured out where he was going, yeah. and the entire place erupted. I remember that yeah. whole like five to 10 minute scene, the climax, mm-hmm. when there's just like violence wall to wall, but it's not the violence you might be thinking if, you're, if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Uh, it was just, it was hilarious. And cathartic is a great word. And then it, you know. Wasn't the, it
0: hilarious when they killed Sharon Tate? No. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. rip that baby right out. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sorry. Um, but
1: no, uh, but the, the ending scene where there are characters yeah. who perhaps should not be around. Yeah. That was some of the most moving stuff I think I've seen Tarantino do.
0: Exactly. It was Uh, him saying, what if this happened this way? How sweet would that have been? Yeah. Other than, yeah, kill Hitler! He's bad! (laughs) Right. You know, kill the slave owners! They're bad! And I I love
1: *Inglorious Bastards and, to a lesser extent, Django Unchained, but his historical revisionism, this is the most mature version of that, because he could have just had, like, you know, the Manson family get stopped on the way to, you know, the the Tate house or something, and they got... Sent to jail for drunk driving or something like that, or, or yeah. they get killed in a car accident, but they do something very special here, yeah. and it's I think it's great. the the re- the surrounding movie, yeah, it's a great tribute to old Hollywood, yeah, and to what you were saying about how he copies people and gets away with it, yeah. What he does is he takes stuff. That not everybody has seen and puts mm-hmm. it into a mass market context. Yeah. He did this, you know, with Hong Kong cinema, with like mm-hmm. with Reservoir Dogs, and he's been doing it, you know, with the '70s nostalgia. Now he's going back to like 1950s and early '60s westerns, yeah, um, and creating these this authentic universe where a show called yeah. Bounty Law existed. Yeah, and there's. I, I missed the chance to get the 4K Blu ray deluxe set, which came like a Mad Magazine yeah. reprint of a yeah. Bounty Law episode. Oh my God. So he cares so much about this stuff. He's turning the old obscurities into a new mass market product, yeah.
0: and I love him for it. He's making people appreciate cinema. You know, the guy might act obnoxious in interviews, but I think he has a good heart, and this yeah. movie showed that. Yeah. you know and uh you know it was him sort of taking a part of his own life and showing us why he thinks all this stuff is so special he's not just some guy making a fan film of taxi driver there you go uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, but, uh, and and also i love
1: the uh the bit of ambiguity in here yeah. with Brad Pitt's character yeah. because there's a flashback scene involving a boat where i'm like yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, oh, this yeah. guy's a—he's he's, he's not good. Yeah. But he's such a good guy. Like, if that scene had been excised from the movie, yeah, it would have made a difference narratively. Yeah. Maybe a little bit in the climax, because you kind of understand how he could get to that point. Yeah. Very yeah. easily. But it also, you know, walking out of the movie, like, wasn't Brad Pitt awesome? Oh wait, he was also something else. Something he's much also darker. A
0: little, yeah. There's something a little wrong with him, but. Yeah. I think we all have that crazy friend that we like, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's
1: just a rich kind of a texture detail and yeah. and DiCaprio I think was was you know I don't really think it
0: killed people like that. But... <laughs> well. No. Uh, but Who DiCaprio
1: knows? was was you know on point once again. I I, I got to watch this movie again cuz I only saw it that one time with you.
0: I thought DiCaprio was kind of like I don't know, he, he was good at playing himself in that movie, you know, especially you know the whole scene where he's in the he's in the uh, trailer and he's Loving with his lines. There was some You're Gilbert da, 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 Grape in
1: there, yeah. But I think uh, I did. He was playing himself because, yeah. and there was a great Mark Maron podcast with him and Brad Pitt. Mark a, Maron
0: had Brad Pitt on his show.
1: Brad Pitt and DiCaprio. Holy shit! This is from like two weeks ago. Listen to it; it's great. Oh, because I'm they, going to. They kind of yeah. get into this like. Maren asks him, like, are you kind of in that stage where you're kind of like the washed-up actor and all that other oh, stuff? Yeah. And he has a great answer, and he talks about fame and all this stuff. So, yeah, he brings a lot of himself, I imagine, to this role. Yeah. And that's what kind of, I think, gives the movie another level of heart. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, you know what, I, I would be fine if that movie wins Best Picture. I think, you know what, I think the Academy will pull a surprise and give um, uh, 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 Tarantino Best Director... Maybe uh, there, there's that'd be that'd be better than Sam Mendes just making a stunt film, um, but <laughs> we'll get to we'll get to
1: 1917.
0: That's the last one, baby. All right. What <laughs> oh, else? Wait. What else we got? Actually, it's uh, no, fuck it. We're gonna go to Parasite instead of nine. Should we do 1917 or Parasite? What do
1: you want? How, what, what, how many
0: movies do we have left to talk about?
1: Two. This is the, we're in the last two. Yeah. Holy shit! All right, let's talk about Parasite.
0: Okay, let's well, talk. That movie's awesome. Yes. That that, that movie. allowed lot people complain that you know maybe. Uh, only it had some problems. I didn't feel that way at all. No, I felt like it balanced comedy and and goofball horror slash gore in a way that is distinctly Bong Joon Ho. And and man, talk about this better win Best Editing and not 1917. Like what the guy had 40 shots. That was the visual effects department, folks. Okay, but um, the the the, the but but talk about. Perfect pacing. Talk about where you don't know where the hell a movie's gonna go. Yeah, and you know things are gonna go wrong, and when they do, oh, it's juicy. It is.
1: I mean, there there are very few movies where I have a genuine like moment of shock where my hand goes up over my mouth like people do in movies that like. Like, Then no one ever does that in real life. Sometimes it happens to me while I'm watching movies.
0: Yeah, and I never like react to shit, and that one made me go like,
1: oh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, a yeah. couple of times during that movie, because yeah. like the house that is the main <laughs> kind of character in Parasite. No, they actually
0: built for oh, the movie. Wow,
1: I did not know yeah, that. Yeah,
0: they built a real house.
1: Well, yeah. much like that house, there are many different levels that you do not expect to discover. Yeah. Um, and I, this one I really don't want to talk about
2: yeah, is, is the specifics,
1: it. because this is one you that can't this I, one. everyone no. told me to see it and they told me don't watch the trailer, don't read the synopsis, go in as cold as humanly that's possible. That's what I did what inadvertently. I did. Yeah. yeah, well, I I did too. Yeah. I, I think I got a screener for it, and I watched it in the bedroom. My wife did not watch yeah. it with me, but I kept running out to the living room, like pressing pause and like, You're, <laughs> I just need to take a breather because <laughs> something else happened. <laughs> it's like layer upon layer of story. Yeah. You know, you think about the title, it sounds like a horror movie. Like, oh, are there going to be giant bugs affecting this family? Yeah, there kind of yeah, are, but it's... Yeah. What I love is...
0: Metaphorically, yeah. Yes, yeah. but
1: this is a movie where, going back to that whole Trump era thing, this is not inherently political. Oh, they do get into some, like, well, North it, Korea, oh, South yeah, do, Korea yeah. politics, which yeah. I almost wish I were... Korean so I could have understood like yeah. the significance of all that but what I loved about this is it had a statement to say about society and politics to a certain degree but it did it the way master filmmakers do mm-hmm. through metaphor mm-hmm. through you know you've got the people the rich family living high up on the hill at the top of the town and the poor family who is living literally at the bottom of the town yeah. so to the bottom yeah. that they live in like a they sewer. literally have
0: people pissing on them Right. And you know, fumigating them. Yeah. yeah, and
1: then later on in the movie, you know, there's some torrential downpours and some other developments yeah. that you can really see the class struggle playing out in front of you, Yeah, but you don't have this whole thing of like, I hate rich people. There's this aspirational narrative <laughs> yeah. to it where it's like,
0: no, we really- The rich people don't come off as assholes. They we... have asshole moments, but they don't come off as assholes. Right, and
1: that's, if I had one criticism, I would yeah. say that there are some lines of dialogue, particularly towards the end, where He
0: smells.
1: (laughs) That's part of it, but it's just, like, I feel like they were kind of inserted just so that no one would be... They threw ambiguity out the door at a certain Mm. point, and I was kind of disappointed. But the rest of the movie, like, the entire experience is so great that I was able to kind of sidestep a few moments. Like, "Eh, I would have left that line out. You don't need it, because you could just have a regular... Wealthy person who's thrown into this crazy situation yeah. and they might react in a way that dramatically will get your other yeah. characters to where they need to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was, that was a uh, damn stupid parking thing. Well, See, that, this is a movie that was about classism that didn't just paint villains or heroes, you right. know. This was a movie about classism that actually uh, made everyone kind of look bad. Like, yeah, they're the poor and. You know what we feel for them, but you know, what they're doing is kind of morally fucked up. You know, yeah. and, they, and 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 how the poor just destroy each other in the movie is, is something that you know, you know, that that really kind of makes you think. You know what? Yeah, when you're in that situation, you destroy each other. And then the rich, they maybe they seem a little too happy, but they kind of go out of their way to help the poor, but they also kind of forget about them. To yeah, the point I mean, where, you've got the you guy know.
1: who's the you know, the rich guy, he's the patriarch of the family, he's a software developer magnate, yeah. and there's a scene where you see him at work, and he's not like just sitting behind a, an ice glass door and all these people are kind of working for him. Yeah. He's sitting there amongst his people, like talking about stuff and sharing ideas. Yeah. Like he's the kind of tech billionaire or whatever that you kind of would hope that everyone would be. He's right? not
0: like Steve Jobs. Right. Yeah. Uh,
1: and the, even with what you're saying about the 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 quote unquote People in this movie, yeah. you get the feeling that if things had not gone wrong in the particular way that they did, yeah. they did not have malicious intentions. Yeah. It's not like they all conspired to do this one big thing. And I'm stepping very lightly around it, yeah. thinking that they were going to push anybody out. Yeah. They were just taking advantage of a situation where they could make themselves, you know, get themselves out of this slump financial slump that they're in yeah. and then maybe in a perfect world just kind of move on be like we've accomplished everything we're just we're going to detach from the host organism and you can't, do something else but you can you
0: get you get greedy just like the rich does and that's what happens they get greedy eh. and then well yeah i mean they, they do they they overdo it a little bit
1: they overdo yeah. it but but they get caught they get caught literally in the middle of overdoing it but it's not yeah. it's kind of it's it's the it's the risky business scene where yeah. the parents go away, and then there's a party. Yeah. The problem is during that party, something else happens but that makes. This is a makes... very real version of that
0: party. <laughs> right. But what I'm yeah. saying
1: is, if the revelation hadn't happened during that party, yeah. it's entirely possible they would have just like you know cleaned everything up, and you know no one would have been the wiser. Yeah.
0: That and like when they are stuck in that situation where they're fighting amongst each other, it's really not like oh they're they're bad too. It's more like they they have to survive. Yes. And when people have to survive. They do things that maybe are unimaginable, which I mean, I I mean, as an audience member, I'm like, yeah, do that, you know, screw her, you know. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, that's the thing is, a lot of the characters, like for 98% of the movie, I felt yeah. like these were real people yeah. in unrealistic but very real to them situations, and I could couldn't wait to see how they got it. I happening
0: in real life too, though. Like, I guess, well, aside from the basement stuff, but yeah.
1: I hope they don't remake this thing.
0: Yeah, they're already talking about that. I'm like, no, I don't want another old boy, you know, and I don't want a television show. Just leave it as it is. Leave <laughs> yeah. it as it is, please. For the love of God, don't, don't, fran- don't fucking Marvel franchise. Yeah, Parasite. But yeah, I would say that was my favorite movie of the year. See, uh, I can't, and we'll we'll yeah. talk
1: about 1917 in a second. But my big <laughs> takeaway from the movies of 2019. Is yeah. there were so many that I love so deeply that
0: it was, I can't pick yeah. up. I can't say this is it my is favorite movie. Like a hard year, man. Like, right. There's no slim pickings. Like the end of this century, era, whatever you want to call it, decade. Uh, it 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 ended with a bang. Like yeah. we had some really good films. Yeah. That that are not slim pickings at all. But having said that. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> now we move on to your real favorite movie of the year
0: yeah stunt directing uh, no you know what I didn't I didn't dislike it I gave it three out of four stars Wow okay yeah yeah so because in the end I cannot ignore as someone who's been on set and seen how movies are made you can't ignore the technical, uh, mastery of 1917, mm-hmm. you know, I mean this movie, if you ever want to make the argument of film versus digital and say digital is better, this movie would be incomprehensible to make on film, your magazine could get damaged, God forbid your n- negatives don't come out right, the weight of the camera wouldn't be right, the the, the, the range of light wouldn't work yeah. you know, so they got an Airy uh, Alexa uh, mini like and like LM, uh, it's a small camera that I think shoots at about like 4K, has an incredible light range, and the sensor doesn't blur or anything like that when you turn it, and it's it's something that you need to have lightweight when placed upon various rigs, like on a motorcycle, or on a uh, wire above you, or placed on a steady cam and do it seamlessly. So for that, I mean, yeah, give Roger Roger Deakins immediately when he heard this movie from Sam Mendes. He's thought, I'm going to get another Oscar. <laughs> you jit me for years, so I got one for Blade Runner, and now for this. you know. So in terms of cinematography, great. Now, here's the problem why I think this movie's shallow, where it had potential. It had the potential for greatness. I, let's let's yeah. get into it,
1: because I, I think this movie is very deep. I don't think it's shallow at all.
0: Uh, okay, okay. Well, I just, uh, okay, tell me, why do you think it's deep?
1: Um... First of all, it's a, it's a subjective movie, yeah. so if you're looking for depth in terms of what is, you know, characters yeah. giving their full backstories and having grand speeches about war or even learning no, about no, their no. whole backstories, no, okay. you're not going to get that. But what you do get is a very real look at the human experience of these kids who are 18, 20 years old back in World War One, yeah. going on this perilous... Uh, mission, trying to save people, you know, very much in the vein of kind of saving Private Ryan.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, in my review I very deeply get into Private Ryan. Compared to this.
1: Well, yeah. so what I got out of this was yeah. the, you know, the, the bond of, of, you know, kind of reluctant brotherhood, because these guys yeah. are friends. Uh, they're, they're good friends, but they also kind of get, even, get on each other's nerves. They've yeah. got in-jokes and, you know, the stories that they tell each other. Um, the one guy, uh, Schofield, I think, uh, yeah. he's he's won a medal already. And um, the other, uh, Baker, Blake? Blake, yeah, yeah. Blake. Uh, he really wants to win a I medal. I think it's Burke. Blake, no, it's Blake, it's Blake.
0: Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody remembers these pictures. I, I remember Blake I'm and getting, Schofield. I'm getting, I'm getting.
1: But uh, Blake yeah. really wants to win a medal because he thinks it'd be cool and it's yeah. heroism and it's action. And Schofield, who's won it, is like, you know, no, it's not, it's, it's actually, just a piece of fabric. Right, and what you have to do to get it, honestly, there's, you know, it's often not worth it because yeah. tragedy is usually involved. Yeah. So you get all of this. Um, plus, if you think about the context of this film, they're fighting the Germans in, you know, German-occupied France, um, and it's a it's a terrible story. The landscape is littered with bodies that are yeah almost, like, ghoulishly, like it's something out of Dante's Inferno, with yeah. the, the, some of the corpses that they come mm-hmm. across, and you're imagining these conflicts. And then you're stopping to think that, okay, these characters don't have a big backstory, but this movie, this Mm -hmm. story is their backstory. They're going to be telling for generations to come Mm -hmm. unless they don't have generations left Mm -hmm. because we're just around the corner from World War II and other global conflicts. And it causes you to think about war and what that really means. Right now, there's all this talk about, are we in the brink of war? And, you know, is Trump going to, you know, nuke us all and all this other stuff. But war has become an abstraction uh, in the minds of a lot of people. But I think a movie like this, it's an adventure story, sure. But mm-hmm. what I love is that it puts put me, anyway, yeah. on the battlefield, really thinking about how horrific this was. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you will do for the people that you love. Right. And what, uh, you know, the, the aftermath of having to deal with, you know, personal tragedy. I don't want to get into spoilers here. But, yeah. I mean, when the middle of that movie happened, and what happened, happened.
0: The Oscar speech scene. What?
1: <laughs> no, which one, which one is that?
0: Well, when... okay. No, I don't I don't... Want to say... well, I mean, I don't when... want to spoil it. When, when 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 we break away from one of our characters. Tell my mom I love her. What if I and th- tell my dad but
1: but I mean what what's wrong with that?
0: It, it felt like every Oscar speech scene that's parodied in every movie. Well, but that, where that's the soldier... that,
1: that's that's your personal opinion. But I think yeah. I think that scene was very well acted, and I think okay. the character who was going through something particularly, uh, so I say fateful, did did a hell of a job. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's 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 my pitch.
0: Yeah. So um. I I I do uh like how the minimalism of the picture uh said much more than it having to spell itself out, perhaps, for you. Um, the thing, I, the problem I had was, I would have loved to have seen that relationship between those two characters develop throughout the movie. And before we even get to know who they are or, or why they're fighting, one of them uh, is uh, gone from the picture. And then the rest of the movie just seems like a series of over-the-top, non-believable action sequences where it tries to mix the the horrors of war through the bodies that you see and everything like that. But then you have these over-the-top scenes where the main character is running through lines of gunfire, then he's falling down a waterfall. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I felt like I was playing Uncharted, you know. And I'm not going to say that it's like a video game. As a matter of fact, I don't like the comparison of a movie next to a video game, because I think video games have become a form of art mm-hmm. that are just as valid as films. But I get, and, I get what you're you saying,
1: know, and, and I understand that there are some movies that I think try and replicate that video game experience. Yeah,
0: it, it felt a little bit like that experience, but it wasn't because that's what turned me up, it was because I didn't get to know more about these people. And I just felt like I was just watching these sequences where they wanted to wow the audience with what they could do rather than pulling back and letting us get to know uh, our character a little more. But before we could, we just kind of had these little interactions with other characters other than you know, having to, to get to know, I, I believe it was Schofield or Blake the, the way we wanted to. Let me ask
1: you this, do you have that same criticism of every movie you watch? Mm,
0: I think Private Ryan did a beautiful job where we got to know that platoon. I mean, when mm. when, when you when you had uh, the the, uh, the medic uh, crying for his mother and he's in the hands of these other sol- that, uh, soldiers, you know, I remember watching that with my grandmother and she just broke. Down in tears, well, that, I mean it. Sure,
1: but that's that's a, that's a subjective bit of drama. Oh sure, right? sure. He, but then, she like, cried at that scene. I cried when the scene that we talked about happened. So yeah. what I'm talking about is movies that focus more on the filmmaking and the journey yeah. instead of getting into richer characters. As far as what you're saying,
0: well, I think there's what you see in a film and then what you feel in a film but yeah but yeah. that gets back but to you, feeling which you, you can't... but you felt it yeah i did fine, and yeah. there are other
1: movies you're, where you're just wrong no i'm just kidding I'm no kidding, i mean dude. like I'm... the other the other movie I'm this glad is you did feel that. Yeah. the other movie this has been compared to i've heard is, is dunkirk which oh, i see can...
0: dunkirk i didn't yeah i'd say the same levels this is better than dunkirk i think this is yeah. better
1: than dunkirk uh, on a lot of levels there's, but... there's,
0: there's more humanity to this one than dunkirk dunkirk right. was just you know, one big scene. Out there. The only thing was Dunkirk wasn't trying to show off what it could do with the camera. Oh. It felt like gravity, where it was just showing off. Well, you see, I, yeah. I
1: loved gravity, too. Yeah. Um, and I don't think... You're using the term show off. Yeah. I don't think this was a movie that was showing off. I think this was a movie where Mendes had... He wanted to, he wanted to do something. He had yeah. an idea for a movie, and they pulled it off. Yeah. I think if you're an average moviegoer, and you go see this film without knowing any of the... You, you could go into this... Without the hype of oh my god, they filmed it in one you know yeah. one seamless take, that's and just very, enjoy very on fair. on. We yeah. are film critics, so we're immersed yeah. in this whole thing. It's easy to get wrapped up in yeah. oh they're doing this to win the awards, or oh this is an editing feat and all this other stuff. But what yeah. about it as a movie? Yeah, a and that's that's kills,
0: how I. You're you're absolutely right. Uh, hype kills movies, and I think the hype to this killed this one. I remember the the woman sitting next to me in the theater was like, like her hand was over her mouth the whole time. You know. There, there was a scene involving a rat early on
1: that oh, yeah. I jumped. I was, I felt like I was oh, blown he, back in the, my the seat. Trip
0: mine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god, that scared the shit out of me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I was totally with the movie. I, I love the fact that there are cameos by all these highfalutin British actors. Where they come I on have taken and taking out
0: the cameos, that was well, distracting. Well, but here's the it's thing. Like better than Cumberbatch, like.
1: Oh. Well, Cumberbatch is the only one where I actually kind of giggled when he turned around because it was yeah. such a reveal. Yeah, but it like, was like Mark, a
0: Force Awakens reveal. Yeah.
1: But when Mark Strong shows up, yeah. Um, you know. Oh yeah,
0: that was that was more subtle. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and uh, was it Andrew Scott? Uh, was mm-hmm. he was like the first person, the first cameo that they encountered. Yeah. They felt more like yes, their cameo appearances because they're literally on screen for like five minutes. Yeah. But they're also you know, they're acting these parts. They're not like, I'm in this Oscar movie. It's like, you know, they're just, they're doing their thing and it's completely believable.
0: So here's a, a, a ridiculous, stupid theory I have that's completely wrong. Captain
1: America was like the young boy (laughs) just <laughs> gonna be, grow up and no.
0: Wonder Woman <laughs> saved everyone. Uh, I was waiting for that. I was,
1: they, all they had to do was pan over during that No Man's Land scene. I, I, they I were coming up the stairs.
0: I seriously <laughs> want to have a DLC for Battle uh, for Battlefield One, where you get to play as Wonder Woman, where someone can mod it, and then just go on a killing spree. Uh, but anyway, I'm there. Yeah, uh, but uh, that's the nerdy gamer part of me. Um, but. What the hell was I saying? Uh, we, I was saying that when you when you think about this movie compared to Private Ryan, like I, my heart broke for all those guys dying during the Normandy scene. My heart broke like during the uh, during the final few minutes of uh, the, the, the last battle they have. Yeah, but and Ryan I think and, and that's
1: that's fine, yeah. but they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah, because the yeah. opening battlefield scene in Normandy yeah. is a giant battle where we get kind of like. We're we're right there with these characters being shot down, but it all happens within like 20 minutes and then there's three hours more movie before the big siege at the end.
0: Oh, but those three hours is where we get to know everyone. Right,
1: (laughs) but I'm saying you can have an emotional reaction during a battle scene, you can also have an emotional reaction of just like watching characters go through different territory. But with Schofield and Blake, it's a different kind of film. You only have these two characters that you're spending time with through most of the film. We
0: should have had them throughout more of
1: the film, I think. I, but yeah. but that would take away the subjective nature of this film. It's a ticking clock thing. This yeah. movie starts and then it ends nine hours later yeah. and not everybody is at the end of the journey that was at the beginning of the journey. Yeah. So in that case, yeah, if that's what you want from a movie, that's fine, but I don't think yeah. it's a fair criticism to level at this film. It's okay. kind of like saying, why weren't there lightsabers in this Arthurian drama I watched?
0: That would be cool. Because all they had
1: were swords. Yeah, but yeah. I wanted lightsabers.
0: Right, right. Okay, well, I, I don't know if you want to change history you know but you know I, but here's my I'm not saying I'm not
1: talking about changing history yeah. I mean this this whole thing yeah. was dedicated to Sam Mendy's grandfather. No I know I, who know I guess related what this as a story right? So this so. is
0: where this is where my theory is wrong because it was dedicated <laughs> to his grandfather but I feel like saving, saving private Ryan uh, won best director in 1998 and then lost because of Harvey Weinstein and Shakespeare in Love mm-hmm. that next year American Beauty won director and picture. Yeah, I feel like Sam Mendes saw Saving Private Ryan, and somewhere in the back of his head he said, I can make that movie, but even better, and I'll make it about my grandfather. And that's sort of where the concept for that film came along. You know,
1: I don't know if that's the case, because I mean, yeah. up until uh, he directed Skyfall, no one thought of uh, Sam Mendes, correct me if I'm wrong, as an action director.
0: Oh yeah, well that's why he, he was like, I'll take my time until it's ready. Well, also
1: Dunkirk, you know, a few years ago became a a blockbuster, no expected. So it's entirely possible that if you take the ego part of that out of that statement, yeah. of him watching Private Ryan being like, this reminds me of the story that my grandfather told yeah. about World War I, I would love to make this movie, yeah. but no one's gonna give me a chance because all I did was American Beauty, yeah. or you know, Revolutionary Road later or whatever, yeah. if that was him, I can't remember. Yeah, um, and then he comes out with Skyfall, and so he's like, okay, I've got these actor bona fides, yeah. Skyfall predates Dunkirk if I believe, yeah. and so maybe it's all the culmination of like the opera, the idea is there, the opportunity's not, but then the opportunity keeps presenting itself, making yeah. a stronger case. So when he comes back and says, "Oh, and in Wonder Woman, a World War One
2: yeah. period
1: piece," you've got Birdman from a few years ago. It's another single take thing that's yeah. winning Oscars. So you take yeah. all of that stuff to a studio executive and say, "Hey, I'd love to make this passion project. I don't take. I don't think there's a cynical bone in this movie's body."
0: Okay. Okay. Very good. Yeah, you know what? I, I think we can agree to disagree on this one, but I, I do want to see it again based on what you said, because I think both of our reasons are completely valid. And maybe making a more minimalistic approach was better than, you know, what I, I think uh, Michael Phillips, of the Chicago Tribune, called it Ready Player World War One," which, yeah, that's a little harsh, you know?
1: I, yeah. no, I, I reject that outright. Like Tarantino yeah. said. Uh, I reject that premise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk very <laughs> but, uh, quickly, maybe about some maybe snubs. Maybe some snubs.
0: Yeah, just real quickly. Uh, Uncut Gems yep. was hugely snubbed, and I'll talk about Adam Sandler. I talk about the Safdie brothers, and then talk about Best Picture. I take Uncut Gems any day over Little Woman. Yeah. Um, you know that that was God talk about a tense thriller that I think the Safdies. If you like dive into their history. They made a lot of movies, so they could fuck up for a while, up until they found their voice. And if you see like their movies of early, uh, from the pleasures of being robbed to the movies of being late to to, to the movies of late, this is great. (laughs) It's just staying in. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, All right. This is why we filmed the bar. If you see the difference between those movies of early compared to late, they really found their voice. Like, when you see Good Time and then Uncut Gems. And I think Uncut Gems is just one of those consistently paced, uh, 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 daring uh, pictures that I think will be like a cult classic. And, um, I mean, other gems include Loose, which I got into which I talked about with Robert Daniels about and talk about a movie, just like Marriage Story, how that creates conversations. I still that, have to ooh, catch up with Loose, but oh, I'm yeah. very curious about it. it. It really stirs some, some. It, as, as uh, Robert told me, it's like, these are the conversations black people have behind closed doors. And mm. they put it on the screen for everyone to see. I just went, fuck, when yeah, he <laughs> said that.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, Uncut Gems for sure. Um, it's hard for me because I don't it's not my best picture but I'm surprised and a little bit heartbroken that Dolomite is my name did not get any nominations yeah. I thought Craig Brewer directed the hell out of that movie yeah. I love the movie again I don't know if it's best picture material but I love that movie and I I dig that maybe there's such a thing as Eddie Murphy comeback Oscar because I know he keeps like whack a his career he'll like do something awesome and then disappears like bowfinger and then dream girls and then now this and then he'll make some Pluto Nashes in between yeah. but I thought he was I thought this is a side of him that I haven't really seen before in a movie yeah. and it's just it's a it's it's like a black Ed wood and I think the world yeah. needs that right now
0: <laughs> and I think you know what in terms of you want to have a woke movie don't make it little woman make it dolomite seriously uh, yeah uh, I I think the uh, the Academy is never going to um give eddie murphy a nomination not because when he was nominated he did norbit the same year like months (laughs) after when he did dream girls but because when he lost his oscar he literally got up and he left the theater i
1: remember that
0: yeah wow and nobody i think they're they're salty about that and they always will be and I can't really blame them for that because, like, yeah, do we want to have someone have another hissy fit because they didn't win their award? Uh, I'd but rather see that time, than... but it's But it's fun. It's, it's good entertainment, though. It is. You know? Yeah. It's just like when they... Just with the whole La La Land thing that happened. <laughs> do, we remember, yeah. do we remember La La Land or Moonlight? I do. But I remember more of, you know, uh, them screwing it up on stage. Yeah. Um because i can't i'm blinking on her name i always blink when i'm on camera but uh it was uh oh, fuck it <laughs> Ooh, the
1: presenters or yeah the
0: presenters wasn't it
1: faye dunaway oh, yeah, warren when Faye
0: dunaway with her plastic surgery face <laughs> uh you know she she didn't take the time to read the envelope that i don't know i would just love to talk about favorite oscar moments you know
1: well we'll do that another time
0: yeah but, but yeah yeah i mean that's, that's, that's the, the oh, thing
1: yeah. um <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's my major one. Uh, yeah, I I think it's uh, it's great that a lot of great movies did get recognized. Yeah, and no one's ever going to be a hundred percent happy. No, but you know, the the reason I'm kind of disappointed in Dolomite is my name not getting more of a push. And I, it's kind of a moot point because it's on Netflix. Yeah, but I feel like this is a movie that you know, uncut gems got a big theatrical push. I think it's still in theaters, man. Yeah. (laughs) But I would love to see Dolomite Is My Name, because that's a crowd movie. You go see that, and you have fun. And I think if if it got nominated, maybe Netflix would have been like, all right, it's still streaming. Maybe we'll put it into theaters for like a week or something so people can maybe go see it and build some buzz.
0: Yeah, Dolomite's a great double feature to have with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
1: Oh, that would be amazing.
0: Yeah, like both nostalgic films that are audience experiences. But uh, I think with that said, uh, you have to get to the movies. I don't know if I call soon. this a
1: movie, but I'm gonna re- withhold judgment till after I see yeah, it.
0: Yeah, we can't, we won't reveal what it is. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll a see. A gentleman
1: never tells.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> that that's not a spoiler. <laughs> don't be that guy. Yeah. Sorry. Um. <laughs> is, that, is that what everyone says when they say Guy Ritchie feels like? I can't understand him. Yeah. Yeah. I'll push right. you bail. I'll knock around your fucking lights. I've got a bail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's, Thanks so much. Oh, Ian. It's always an honor and a always pleasure, fun. sir. Thank, Thank you. to Kicking the Seat podcast. Uh, kickingtheseat.com. Actually,
1: it's just kickseat.com.
0: Kickseat.com. I'm an idiot. No. And then uh, go to Galway Bay at 500 West Diversity Parkway. Grab a drink. This is a great kind of bar that doesn't have some corporate bullshit behind it. If you leave something behind, they'll find it for you. (laughs) Um, Like my $650 microphone. (laughs) And, uh, yes, go check out. You'll probably agree. Just type in YPA Reviews. You can, that's Y as in you'll, P, probably A, agree. Let's do it together, kids. All right?
1: And, <laughs> I thought we were going to do it together. Anyway. Uh,
0: anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, call me by your name. Um, <sighs> Son of peach <laughs> so uh yeah go just google ypa reviews you'll see my website you'll see the instagram the twitter all that stuff all right thanks so much again ian and i'll oh, catch us when uh the mandalorian returns for season two yes i cannot yeah. wait oh man it's gonna be great yeah it's, oh. gonna be great. it's gonna be great it's gonna be great it's gonna be great that's a that's a star wars thing all right oh my god <laughs> yes
1: well thank you again
0: yeah thank you so much bye bye everyone bye